Well, good morning and welcome. It is good to be here. You know, some of these mornings, this might sound a little counterintuitive, but it's kind of nice once I'm up here because then I can relax. <laughs> Getting things ready and making sure everything's in place on a Sunday morning. And, and then it's like, oh, okay, now, now I can finally relax. So it is good to be here. It's good to be with each one of you. Let me go ahead as we do and dismiss our young ones. You are dismissed free to go to that land of children's church, those tiny chairs. For the rest of us today, and thank you to Aaron last week for sharing with us. Much appreciated. We got through that trilogy of love, joy, and, and peace. And so thank you for that. Today we are heading back to the Torah, back to the Parshiot. Torah is the first five books of our Bible, a.k.a. the Pentateuch. What is divided into 54 Parshiot. Parshiot being the plural for Parsha. Parsha meaning portion or, or section. One Parsha that is read weekly throughout the, the Jewish year. There are some exceptions to that. Each Parsha, a part of what I have been calling the Jesus backstory. Right again, in the same way that each one of us has a backstory, that history of experience. Right, be it our own or the generations that have gone before, all the joys and the sorrows, all, the, all of the hardships, all of it giving shape and form and texture to who we are today. In the same way, the Torah, with all of its partiot, right, this, this, this panorama of experience with its joys and sorrows, with all of its hardships. Right, this, this Torah, this partiot offering us the backdrop of the story of Jesus, the backstory to the life of Jesus. Jesus being the fulfillment of the Torah. In fact, he says it in Matthew 5 and 17. Jesus is speaking. Do not think that I have come to abolish Torah. Do not think that I've come to abolish Torah or the Nevi'im. I do not come to abolish, but to, he says, fulfill. And so with that again today, we are heading back to the Old Testament, back to the Torah, back to the Parshiot. Today we are picking it up in Exodus, no longer in Genesis. We've worked our way through. Today we hit up Exodus, Exodus 1, 1 and 1, and it travels all the way through chapter 6 and verse 1. What is Parsha Shmot? Parsha Shmot, by way of general synopsis, begins with not only the death of Joseph and his brothers, but also of an entire generation. Coinciding with the incoming of a new king, a new pharaoh, a, a new ruler over all of Egypt. Despite the death of a generation, the Israelites continue to grow. They're, they're fruitful. They've been multiplying, increasing in numbers. This new king is worried about that. And so he sets out on a, on a, on a campaign of enslavement, oppression through forced labor. He then throws out a decree that every newborn Hebrew boy should be killed. In spite of that, a newborn Hebrew boy by the name of Moses is saved. He's actually partially raised by the Pharaoh's daughter. He grows and one day he sees a, an Egyptian man beating an Israelite, a fellow Israelite. He intervenes, kills the Egyptian, 
ends up fleeing to Midian where he eventually encounters this whole burning bush thing and God, he sends Moses to return to Egypt to lead the people out, which is really the dominant theme throughout the entirety of this book, which is why for for our purposes, we, we call it the book of, of, of Exodus, right? The overarching kind of narrative here is, is, the, is the departure, is the exit, the escape, the, the exodus. And with it, there's all kinds of drama, right? If you're familiar with the story, right? Water turns into blood. There's, there's I mean, imagine just, just everywhere, there's frogs and flies and gnats and, right? There's all this kind of, this, this intense drama, which, kind of makes what happens here in these first opening verses seem rather mundane and boring and really kind of uninteresting. And yet also, maybe it is interesting because Exodus is not the Hebrew title. That is our title. It comes from Latin and English translators um, interpreting a uh, an ancient Hebrew ascription, which reads the book of the departure from Egypt. But the Hebrew title is actually Sefer Shmot, meaning Sefer meaning book, Shmot meaning names. It's the book of, book of names. It's also the name then of our first Parsha here. It comes from the opening verse here in chapter one, which reads, these are the names, the Eli Shmot, Bene Yisrael. These are the names of the children of Israel, and then it says, who came down to Egypt. And then we get, as you can see, we get this list of names, which, which again, compared to all that follows, again, seems kind of benign and boring, and who really cares? Can we move on to the good stuff? Except that if we skip over it, I think we, we miss something deep and meaningful. And something that I actually think is rather interesting and important, noting that this list is actually a repeat. If we go back to Parsha Vayigash, back to Genesis 46 and 8, we read there, it's the exact same phrase. These are the names of the children of Israel who went to Egypt. Exact same phrase, which begs the question, why? Why here in Exodus are we getting a list of kind of the same names? And maybe the deeper question is, then what is, what's the meaning behind that? What, it, what, what is the, maybe the deeper significance? And I am glad you asked. I'm glad you are intrigued. I want to lean in for that. I want to lean into the most widely read Jewish Bible commentator by the name of Rashi. Rabbi Solomon ben Isaac, Solomon ben Isaac, the son of Isaac, the most well-known, and he, he notes this. He says, even though the Torah counted the children of Jacob in their lifetimes and gave their names, noting here he is referring to Genesis 46, 8. He then says the Torah returns, right? Think Exodus 1, 1. The Torah returns and counted them again as they died. And then here is... Here's the why, to let you know how dear they were to the Almighty. Inasmuch as they are compared to the stars, interesting, for when it comes to the stars, God brings them out and returns them back to their places. 
by number and by name. As it was from Isaiah, he takes out the stars according to their number and all of them he calls by name. So interesting here, Rashi takes this idea of names and he makes this connection to, to the stars, that in the same way that the stars are named, so are we. He, he also goes a little bit farther, stating that the stars, really, they get named twice. In the words of Rabbi David Foreman, once at night, when God takes them out, so to speak, and then I love this, once in the morning when he snuggles them back in their resting places. And Rashi makes the point again that in the same way, right? In the same way as it is for the stars, so it is for you and me. We also get named twice. Noting here, and this is important, noting that repetition is a Jewish way of expressing significance. And the significance here, according to the Midrash then, is found in the comparison between, between the children of Jacob, the Israelites, and the stars. Which then leads us to consider, well, where, where do we find this comparison? Right, Rashi speaks of it. But maybe, maybe where, do we, where do we hear of it first? What is the law of first dimension within Jewish interpretation? And for that, we go back to Genesis 12 through 17. Genesis 12 through 17, God has told Abraham, this is partial lechecha. God tells Abraham to go forth, lechecha. And then he says this, he says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. Interesting. And then he says, and you will be a blessing. And then right in the middle of this Parsha, we get this, this first mention of this kind of connection, God comes to Abram, also Abraham, Abram, Abraham, same person. God comes to Abram in a vision. This is God speaking here. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my, will be my heir. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him, to Abram, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He, God, took Abram outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. In other words, in the same way that we look up at the, at the vast canopy, the same way that we look up at the, at the great totality of countless stars, or at least we would if we didn't have artificial light pollution. Right? But in the, in the, in the same way, it, it, it's, it's into that vast expanse of of heavenly beauty, that here comes this midrash, here comes this rabbinic text reminding us in the words of Rabbi Foreman that God treats us just like the stars and counts each one of us. Meaning you matter, you matter to God. We can think of, of, of 
of Jesus. Jesus, right, in, he was teaching about this parable of the, the hundred sheep and one gets lost. All right, the point being is, is you are precious. You are precious to God. You, you matter to God. Which is why Rabbi Foreman then continues and he says the, the Midrash sees in that counting, he says signs of affection, a sign of love. Again, the, the, the point being that you are valued, you are, you matter, you, you, you are precious to God. He says, look up at the sky, count the stars. Right? He, he takes out the stars according to their number. And all of them, he calls by name. Right? Signs of, of affection, a, a sign of love. In fact, interesting here, that contrasted with this God who says, you matter, who says, you are precious to me. Contrasted with this God who, who counts, who counts you, who calls you by name. We see in Exodus 1 and 6, just a few lines down, we read, now Joseph, all his brothers, all that generation had died. But the Israelites, again, were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in number, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king came to power in Egypt. And then interesting, it says, to whom Joseph meant nothing. To whom Joseph meant nothing. In other words, there, there is no affection. Right? Meaning there, there, there is no love. And what happens in, in that very moment in that very moment, there is enslavement. There is oppression. There, there is injustice. In fact, the Exodus story is really a story about the very darkest of times. About those moments when, when, when all seems, seems hopeless. Which is why it's as if God is stepping into that and, and saying, remember, when you are in your darkest place, when it seems that there is no, no hope, whatever that looks like for you, be it today, this week, this month, this year, it's even then, it's even then he says, look, look up at the sky and count the stars. And in that moment, remember, remember that you matter that you are precious to God. That God loves you. He knows your name. I got to wondering as I was preparing this, began thinking about Jesus and about his life, about the pattern, the rhythm of his life. And thinking about how we read, for example, here in the Gospel of Mark 1 and 35, it says very, very early in the morning while it was still dark. And for a long time, I always thought, Jesus, why did you have to get up in the middle of the night and pray? Because what I was told was, well, that's the best time, right? That's you got to get up and pray in the middle of the night. You got to get up early in the morning, get in your prayer time. You know, four o'clock in the afternoon doesn't cut it. You know, Jesus was up during the night. You get up during the night and you pray. I didn't like that too well. But maybe there's something a little more to that, right? Because here it says very early in the morning, while it was still 
dark, which is interesting because that means the stars are in the sky. Maybe there was something to that. The stars are in the sky. And then we read Jesus left the house, went to a solitary place, and he prayed. And I wonder, maybe he was counting the stars. Maybe he was even calling them by name. Maybe, maybe he was praying for you and me. Calling us by name. In the Gospel of Luke, we read the same. It's interesting here, 6 and 12. One of those days, Jesus, it says, went up to a mountainside to pray. And it says again, he spent the night. Again, right? The stars are out. Praying to God. It says, when morning came, or we could say to quote Rabbi Foreman, when he snuggles them back in their resting places. And then notice the very next line. What does he do? It says he calls them by name. Right, and we, Simon, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew. Right, he, he calls them by name. Patrice and Joseph, Chris and Shane and Ashley, Meredith and Sue and Ruth and Michelle, Ron, Gail, Teresa. Right, each, each one of us. Right, he, looks, he looks up at the sky and counts the stars. He takes out the stars according to their number and all of them. He calls by name. What would it look like for us to live that understanding What would it look like for us to live into that kind of a space, that, that kind of understanding every, every day, right? That, that he calls you by name, signs of affection, a sign of, of, of love, of his love for you. You matter. You are precious to God. To live the reality that you matter, to, to rest in the awareness that he loves you, to embrace the truth that he knows your name. even or maybe especially in those darkest of times when things seem hopeless. With that, it's a little bit interesting to me that the Isaiah passage 40 and 26 that Rashi was referring to, it actually begins with a question. I like to think of that as an invitation. It says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? And so we could ask, how might I develop the habit of lifting up my eyes? How might I cultivate a practice of looking to the heavens? And then as always, I think we would do well to consider, to ask who in my life needs to hear the same? Who in my life needs to hear the same? Right, to hear those words that you matter, that God loves you. He knows your name. The Eli Shmot, these are the names. Look up at the sky and count the stars. He takes out the stars according to their number 
and all of them he calls by name.